Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Broadcast it live. There are balls coming from all over the place. Left field, center field, right field. See, this this is the kind of thing, quite honestly, right now, that makes you want to see the Chicago Cubs team lose. Now, are you just saying you want to have fun, or do you really want to have fun? It'll be fun. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland. Get you talking to me? You talking to me? That is the farthest thing in the universe from the truth. Hello, everyone, live. It's the Dan Scott Show. And right there is your host, Dan Scott. Thank you, Howard, and welcome to episode 31 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters with the old Dan Scott Show open. I am Dan. Nobody else wants to be. We are incredibly uh, excited and blessed to have you joining us for another episode of the podcast and look forward to spending uh, the next, uh, oh, I don't know, hour or so with you to uh, talk about a lot of things, including how poorly all of our brackets are doing um, how poorly the Atlantic Coast Conference is doing, and uh, all of that good stuff as we uh, get into another episode this week. Uh, I will tell you right up front that we have several sponsors that we want to thank for being part of what we're doing here, uh, specifically uh, the uh, Hall of Fame Sports Grill on Wade Hampton Boulevard in Greenville, Hank's Beverage in Greenville, my friend uh, Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic in downtown Pickens, South Carolina. Ed Patterson, your state farm agent over at Cherry Dell Plaza in Greenville and uh, Atlanta Bread uh, in uh, Greenville as well, also in Cherry Dell Plaza. And we welcome a new sponsor to the podcast this week. It is my good friend, Booty Cothran, the American Ninja Warrior, Booty Cothran, he of the Booty Bandwagon. You've seen him on national television. Uh, he and several of his Ninja Warrior friends have opened a brand new gym in Greenville called Motive. And the website is motivemovement.org. Motive, M-O-T-I-V-E, motivemovement.org. We want you to hop on board there, go see that website, and find out everything you can about them. You're going to be hearing a lot about them uh, in the podcast moving forward. And, of course... The podcast is presented overall. Our presenting sponsor uh, are the good folks at Todaro Pizza. We want to make sure that we remind you about John and, and the folks there and, and the incredible work that they've continued to do to give you a safe environment to come in and, and enjoy indoor dining with the, the best pizza that maybe you've ever put in your mouth in your entire life. And as the weather's warming up now, they've got a nice outdoor dining area as well. Uh, it is bucket list type pizza. If you're coming into the upstate of South Carolina, you need to put that on your food to-do list. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. The uh, location is on Markley Street in uh, downtown Greenville on the west end, just a, a block or so down from Fleur Field, where the Greenville Drive play minor league baseball. The Clemson location on Sloan Street in downtown Clemson is still open right now just for pickup and delivery. 
so you can uh, take care of it on that end if you're in the Clemson area. That's Todaro Pizza, T-O-D-A-R-O Pizza.com is the website, and we look forward to uh, uh, continuing to to hear from them and, and get to the ballpark here in the next month or so and start getting fed once a homestand by Todaro Pizza. Doesn't get much better than that. All right, to break we go. We'll come back and uh, get things locked and loaded here on this uh, episode 31 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Stay with us. Every sports fan's goal should be make it to the Hall of Fame. Well, we have you covered with Hall of Fame Sports Grill at 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. Known for their great food and fantastic daily specials, Hall of Fame has you covered with all the game action on their 30 televisions. Plus weekly events like Tuesday night's Bar Trivia for Dummies, Wednesday night's Music Bingo, Thursday night's Dirty Bingo, and Karaoke with Fred Rock every Friday. That's 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard, HalloFameSportsGrill.com. You might know that State Farm agent Ed Patterson has great service. He's your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates too? Yep, that's right. Along with good neighbor service, State Farm agent Ed Patterson has surprisingly great rates for everyone in Greenville. So call State Farm agent Ed Patterson at 864-322-0031 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. Episode 31 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters and the Dan Scott Show. All rolled into one. Good to have you here uh, again this week. And look forward to, uh, as I said, spending uh, the next hour or so with you as we uh, talk about our miserable failures and putting our brackets together and, and everything that goes along with that. Tom Van Hoy is here now. Dave Glenn will be with us in a moment, uh, Tom, good to see you again. I, I guess maybe the only consolation that that we can take in, in bracket failure, a, or two consolations maybe, A, most of the country is suffering the same fate that we are, and B, in the grand scheme of things, we're not the Atlantic Coast Conference. <laughs> yes, that's true. I, I had, uh, I missed, uh, this is embarrassing, I missed 14 first-round games I had my thirteen-year-old uh, daughter. And she had a friend over, and and we we all did uh, get it together. You and I did it on, on the air, and she missed ten, and her friend missed eight. So I, that's probably enough said in terms of my ability to predict predict <laughs> what might happen in the future in in, in basketball games. I guess kind of kind of early occurrence. Kind of <laughs> let you know where you stand, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just you know, so. just when you think you know, you don't. Yeah, but uh, who's picking Abilene Christian and North Texas and, you know, Oregon State? But, you know, some people did. It was interesting because I started laughing, thinking, is every year it's like uh, how how long be it ESPN or Yahoo, whomever it is, but as far as uh, perfect brackets. And uh, actually there, there was a girl uh, named Tiffany who had tw- who picked tw- the first 24 correct before she got too, too wrong on – Yesterday, I'm saying that's it's pretty good, you know, whether or not she knows anything about basketball. But, uh, you know, I'm supposed to, and, and I was a complete failure. <laughs> well, we are getting uh, another glimpse, though, 
uh, of why we missed this tournament so much last year and, and why, in many aspects, the NCAA tournament might be the best thing going in all of, not just college sports, but maybe in all of sports right now, simply because what other setup do we have where you're going to have a North Texas, an Oral Roberts, a, a, a who else am I, I am I looking at? Abilene here? Christian. Abilene Christian that beats Texas. You know, Loyola Chicago is is kind of old hat now. This is their their second run in what three or four years to the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, th- this this is why this tournament is so special because you just never know. You know, we've seen uh, 15 seeds knock off two seeds. Uh, the defending champs going back to the last time there was a tournament, Virginia, they're gone. I mean, it's just just incredible to see, and, and, and that's one of the reasons why that I don't take the bracket seriously like a lot of people do because I don't mind seeing the upsets, Tom. I love the stories. Well, and I'll tell you the other thing. Uh, in the old ABC, you know, thrill of victory and the agony defeat, and uh, I mean, I – I watched as, as much as I could uh, in and out a little bit in uh, uh, a lot of it. And boy, you want to talk about the thrill of victory and the agony defeat. I mean, there were, and just the sheer joy of winning the game. And so many of these games have gone down to the wire. It's come down to a couple possessions and there's so much pressure, I think on the, the, the seeds that are expected to win versus the ones that, that aren't. But just to see the reaction, you don't get that, uh, I don't think, in, in any other sport to this particular particular level. And the number of times that it that did happen, the sheer joy of winning and moving on. And again, these are first and second round games. We're just going to get into the Sweet 16 here after all the game, games today. Yeah. So it, it becomes a little bit more pronounced. But. I mean, it's sheer, genuine joy and heartbreak all the way around at the same time. Yeah, and, and your heart goes out to VCU, who had positive COVID tests and 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 could not play after advancing and and getting into Indianapolis, and and uh, so uh, they they get sent home. Uh, don't don't even get to experience the the uh, the tournament. Oregon moved on. Uh, just you know, declared the game was declared a no contest, and Oregon obviously moved on. I saw a guy from Fox Sports on Twitter taking that instance and getting on his soapbox and saying that that's the reason this tournament should not have been played, that they should just shut the entire thing down now, that it was ridiculous even to try and play a tournament uh, like this in pandemic conditions. And from my mind, Tom, the guy couldn't be more wrong. I think that we have discovered going back to Power 5, FBS, Group of 5 college football playing in the fall, how much we need college athletics in a time like this. Athletics, period. NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, National Hockey League, even the NBA. I'll even go that far and throw the NBA into it. How much we need it to... Help us cope with things as they are right now. And you, there's no way that you could come into this tournament with 68 teams being involved and not expect something to happen. And I just thought that was a horrible take, and it was something that, in my mind, the guy was doing it just to draw attention to himself. It was one of those hot take artists, and I thought it failed miserably. 
Well, yeah, and I'm surprised there had, hadn't been more than, than just the one, like you said a moment ago, Dan. And, you know, we all think back to last year when all of this began and nobody really had a, uh, a feeling for how it was going to go. You know, it's going to be two weeks or it's going to be a month. And then as, as it played out, we, we saw uh, how it did. And then the necessary protocols that were taken to try to get some games played, uh, beginning, you know, the bubble and then the NBA and Major League Baseball and what they were they were trying to do. And I think everybody has, has been very good in regards of uh, following that. And what you ask of those players, be it professional or amateur, uh, that, that's a lot to be expected. And I think if you would talk to those players, I mean, even the VCU guys said, yeah, we still want to play, but the decision uh, apparently made locally. And, you know, you can understand um, they have that, uh, that responsibility and they made the decision that, that they thought was best going forward. But just the fact that there's only one, team so far now that doesn't mean it may not happen a little bit farther down the line but i think they've done everything they can to have an opportunity to play you and i were fortunate with Furman to be able to travel and, and do games this year and and we know uh to what extent Furman and others in the southern conference throughout the country did to try to avoid the positive tests and everything that went on with it but yeah i think you're right i think uh, in terms of just playing and with the emptiness that we had last year and just seeing the reaction, we talked about it a moment ago, and I think it's just more than it's the, the normal tournament. I think it's the fact that they get a chance to play this year and, and understand that, uh, you know, it's maybe something that's not going to happen every year. Yeah, that's why, to me, some of the complaints that we've, we've seen when they got into the isolation uh, into the bubble in Indianapolis about players having to spend time uh, in, in their rooms and couldn't go out unless it was time to go to a shoot around and go to a practice and complaining about the food, maybe being cold and some of the other things. And I get that, you know, that can wear on you and that can get old after a while. But I responded to that on Twitter when somebody was bringing that up. And, and my response was, I bet they're a lot more grateful than they were this time last year. Yeah, you know, I, I because, would agree with that. Because they, they, they got shut down and, and could not experience. Not saying that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination. And, and mentally, being isolated can wear on you. We, we know that. And you and I saw it up close with, with what Furman basketball had to do this past season just to get to play and, and, and how they, like student athletes all across the country, not able to have the quote-unquote regular college experience because they, they had to – to stay isolated. They couldn't spend time with their families after games. They, there are a lot of things they couldn't do, but at least they were playing. And, and I think that's the overarching thing here. At least they were playing. Well, at the, yes, and, you know, when you start to break it down and, and maybe when we had Dave on it, we do a little bit more, but, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of the teams that uh, didn't get a chance to get kids into the program, didn't younger players. You're seeing some of the teams with more experienced players, particularly out of the backcourt and the kind of success that they're having, That uh, how that has a cumulative effect. I mean, you had 11 upsets uh, so far, and you got eight more games to be played uh, today and tonight before you get the, the Sweet 16 that's set up, and that's the most upsets in, in Sweet 16 history to this point. So, I mean, it's been, in, in that regard, uh, it's been riveting because you you know you see the big name guys and then all of a sudden you know you might there's it, it's hard to keep track of them all Dan yes. right you know you, I mean you just think back to the days when maybe you just only had one opportunity to see one game let's say 
and then where we are now from a social media standpoint and, every, and everything else, where you can track everything. And I, and I know trying to do the weather is good. I love being outside, but man, I had to watch some of the basketball and I'd be raking leaves and I'm looking at my phone going, you know what? I'm going back inside because of the chances this team might get beat down the stretch. <laughs> so in, the, in that regard, uh, from a streaming standpoint and, and uh, keeping up with the games, it's sometimes it's kind of mind boggling. You and I were kind of sitting here before running them down going, okay, now, let's see, what day did they play? And what was that score again? And, you know, we have it all, I've got it all in front of me here, you know, gigantic screen, <laughs> you know, act like I know what I'm talking about, that type of thing. Well, just kind of looking at the bracket right now with the, with the rest of the, the round of 32 to finish up today to get us to the Sweet 16, as it stands right now, I have six of my Elite Eight picks left and three of my Final Four left, and, and my champion is left. I picked Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that means anything at this juncture, but uh, that does, statistically – that's where I stand right now, and we're going to talk more about the ACC's problems with Dave Glenn coming up in just a bit. But am I correct? I'm trying to look through all the X's and everything. Tom, Florida State is the only Atlantic Coast Conference team left. Uh, Florida State and Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah, I keep forgetting. Yeah, Syracuse that's it. They went, the two, and they went two and five mm-hmm. in the first round. I mean, and then the tough one, of course, was was North Carolina that uh, you know just got it handed to them by Wisconsin. You know, Virginia Tech, Florida went went overtime, and Georgia Tech needs beat. We'll go into that more with David by by Loyal Chicago, and then in turn, be, I mean, it's pretty classic. Then then they beat Illinois, and you know, you're th- I, I still think in the state of Texas anyway, with Abilene Christian, there are a lot of upsets, but for them to be able to beat the University of Texas, so you know, yeah. Just two and five for the uh, for the uh, ACC. Yeah. Clemson had that opportunity against Rutgers, and you know, kind of down the stretch, didn't didn't get it done. And you know, Rutgers was, you know, they had a great chance to beat uh, Houston uh, yesterday. And you know, it, it comes down as it does in many cases to just a couple of possessions. You make a shot, you don't make a shot. Game over. Yeah, more about the the tournament uh, at large and and the ACC specifically with Dave Glenn coming up here in, in just a bit as we continue uh, on this week's edition of our madness. And as I said in the open time, we don't wait till March. It's madness every week for us. And, and that's not always a good thing. Well, you never know where it's going. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's improv, but you have things you want to discuss and then sometimes it goes off the rails. Yes. So. Uh, the, the proverbial rabbit trail or as it down were. a different road. Uh-huh. You say like Johnny Carson, you take a fork in the road and slosh and cut off or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, what Yogi Berra say when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. And that's what we do. Um, college baseball, just for a moment, before we move on mm-hmm. to some other things, uh, last week, at this time, you and I were talking about wrapping up a, a second Sunday in a row for, for us doing Big Ten games uh, on the Big Ten Network Plus that were played at Fleur Field. And uh, we, we had talked about the fact that the first of those games, the Michigan-Purdue baseball game, went four hours and nine minutes to play a nine-inning baseball game. And I got on my soapbox a little bit about how – how. Uh, there was just no pace to the game. People were taking way too long. Pitchers were taking way too long between pitches, batters stepping out, every pitch adjusting batting gloves, and all these other things uh, in, in, in reference to what the commissioner is doing in Major League Baseball to try to, quote-unquote, increase action. Well, I did a game on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Division two. I've been doing some games for North Greenville University and our good friend Landon Powell, the former Oakland Athletics catcher, one of what 20, 21 catchers in Major League history who've caught a perfect game. And um, so I, I'm, I'm doing that game. They're, they're playing Southern Wesleyan University, uh, and my good friend Mike Gillespie, who's been the head coach there for 26 years, and they're struggling. They've got some injuries in their pitching staff, and, and they're still trying to make the, the full – transition from a commitment standpoint as a university from from uh, NAIA to NCAA Division II, which is, I think, in its fifth year and COVID kind of threw that behind schedule a little bit. Tom, Southern Wesleyan pitching in that game walked 17 batters. The final score was 16-2, to North Greenville mm-hmm. won. 17 walks, and that game still was 29 minutes shorter <laughs> than really? the Michigan Purdue game. Okay. That's that that in and of itself is amazing when you look at it in that regard and you know talk talk about trying to keep your focus and you know the object of the exercise is to try to try to win the ball games when we were talking about the the the, uh, the previous Big 10 game is and that happened to be a conference game but mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, and, I mean, and I th- I what's think, the old saying, pro strikes? Yeah, I, I think there there might have been 17 walks combined in that Michigan that Michigan Purdue game or something yeah. like that. This was 17 walks by one pitching staff. All of a sudden, if you're the home plate umpire, that plate gets a little no, bit wider. It, but it, it never happened. It, it never happened. Uh, I know. The, the, I know. The, the, the home plate umpire never widened the strike zone. Well, I mean, good for him, right? He's supposed to call it. I mean, you know, well, I mean, I, I, you you, co- you coached and I coached, uh, you know, whatever you. I think American Legion. I we I help coach some some young teams, ten, twelve, you know, and sometimes that, you know, it's nice to have that strike zone a little bit wider. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Especially as the game goes on and is getting out of hand, you widen it out and let's get out of here. But uh, I, I just thought I would bring that up because I, I thought that was amazing. To, to, to have a game like that with yeah, one, one pitching walks. staff walking 17 hitters and the game was still 29 minutes shorter than, than that Michigan-Purdue game. So that's my little college baseball rant for the day. Uh, we also are coming off of another weekend of, of spring college football at the FCS level. And um, boy, did Furman lay a colossal egg at Paladin Stadium this weekend in a 2018 loss to, uh, to uh, Chattanooga. And a game that... That puts serious, serious, uh, well, just serious consequences for their hopes of winning a conference championship and advancing to a truncated uh, FCS playoff field this year. Sixteen teams instead of twenty-four. Well, yeah, and it, I tell you, despite everything that went on uh, in that game, couldn't get a whole bunch of, couldn't get much offense uh, generated uh, at all. Seventy yards in the first half. It came back out of the second half, start the third quarter, like down at ETSU and put together a, you know, a 10 play drive and 77 yards total. And, and then right back came, uh, came Chattanooga and had a third and 16 through a 50 yard pass that set up an opportunity for them, for them to score. But given everything that went, went on in that game and, and Chattanooga had a chance to, uh, missed on a couple of, uh, open receivers for potential, uh, touchdowns and, and some bad field position, the chance that uh, in permanent point, if, the difference a point after blocked and then went for two and didn't make it and then driving late in the game still has some opportunities, but yeah, I mean, you kind of like saying playing with fire a little bit there and then uh, Chattanooga able to 
able to win that game and, you know, moved it to a three and oh in conference play. And then we were tracking that VMI game and VMI uh, able to come back and win uh, in, in overtime. And they'd gone to four and on the year and one of the, the best years that they've had in a long time, they got out of the FCS uh, top uh, 25 of the first time since they became uh, a member of, uh, of FCS. So they're having a great year. And what we've seen too, Dan is, and VMI went for two and we, uh, it was a week before Chattanooga and ETSU Chattanooga went for two. So and if you get into overtime and, and you have a chance to win it, you know, they're going for it, I guess. Yeah. Obviously, uh, my, my loyalty is with, with Furman uh, as, as my employer and, and been there for 10 years now. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that that now, under the circumstances, kind of rooting for VMI a little bit. You know? Yeah, I mean, they, I, I, still, I still want something happen, well, to yeah, happen yeah. for Furman to come back and win the conference. <laughs> but the chances of it now with only three Paladin games remaining – and and having two losses and VMI being undefeated, the, the chances, while there still are chances, they're, they're dwindling seemingly by the moment. You just have to admit it's a, it's a very, very good story for Scott Wackenheim, uh, the head coach and, and the folks there at VMI. I don't think people understand how difficult it is to recruit to a military academy, uh, and, and uh, he has done a fine job there. Yeah, he's done a really good job. And you think back to... Furman opens the season with a 35-7 win over Western Carolina and looked pretty good. VMI didn't play because Chattanooga had uh, some COVID issues and, and that game was uh, canceled, postponed, probably won't be made up. I don't know where the time frame would be for that, but uh, they hadn't played. And so you figure, well, Furman's going to go in, and this is a, a VMI team, that uh, a program that Furman has handled 10 consecutive going into that game. So I think when they won 14-13 and the way they, they did it with uh, really good defense, defending defending Furman, Furman trying to find its way offensively, but you figured with Reese, you just, you just get quarterback, they're going to put more than 14 points on the board. You figure they're going to put a lot on it. I thought Furman's defense did a really good job over field tackling, et cetera. But when they won that game, Furman was uh, ranked uh, in the uh, coaches and in the, in the stats uh, performance poll as well. That one probably opened a few eyes. And then, you know, once you get some confidence, once you get momentum, and particularly when you haven't had the great success that has uh, become expected of some other programs uh, in the conference. And, you know, I think right now, you know, they obviously think they can win, and they they are in a position uh, to do so at this point at 4-0, Chattanooga 3-0, ETSU 2-1. The Furman sits there in 3-2. They're going to have a week off for Furman, and they've got – three games left two of those are on the road yeah it's uh, it, it's just one of those things where you just never know it's why you play sports that, that's that's why you play games and, and again it just kind of circling back before we get to the break that's why the ncaa basketball tournament is so special you you, you play yeah. it and, and you just never know what's going to happen all right we are going to step aside for a moment come back dave glenn will join us on the flip side we'll talk more ncaa tournament and acc struggles in just a bit stay with us sometimes in life you simply need to treat yourself to the best and every time you lift a refreshing soda from hank's beverages to your lips you're simply already a winner it doesn't matter if it's a root beer orange cream vanilla cream black cherry or grape soda there's a reason hank's beverages has been known as philly's best for well more than a decade find hank's online at hanksbeverages.net or you can find their product here in the upstate at ingles supermarkets lowe's grocery stores and harris teeter 
Dan Scott here for the Atlanta Bread Company. What do I like about Atlanta Bread? Well, too much to mention in a short commercial, but here are a few things. Bread baked daily fresh on site, a tremendous selection of soup, sandwiches, and salads, seasonal special additions to the menu, delicious hot coffee, and a bevy of other drink options, and yeah, can't forget about the baked sweet goodies. Dine in or carry out, and when you have the Atlanta Bread Company app, you can order and pay online, then breeze past the lines to the pickup counter to get your food. Experience it for yourself. That's the Atlanta Bread Company, Cherry Dale Point in Greenville. Let me tell you something, Cowboy. This rookie can really bring the heat. He's smoky and spicy with a Chipotle style all his own. It's a new Montgomery and Chipotle barbecue sauce. Make it a part of your home team. Available now at your neighborhood grocer or online at CincyFavorites.com. All right, back at it. Thank you for hanging around. Thank you for joining us as we continue. NCAA March Madness bracketologists, we ain't around here, at least uh, for the most part. Some good, a lot more bad, as Tom and I detailed in the first segment. And we're going to bring in Dave Glenn, founder of accsports.com, currently writes for theathletic.com and its subsite, Athletic Carolina. Professor Dave Glenn now. He teaches media class at uh, UNC Wilmington and probably working on some other things that he hasn't shared with us yet. That's just the kind of guy he is. Joins us here as always. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, gentlemen. Good to be with you again. Happy March Madness. Yeah, it, it has been madness. Uh, there, there's no question about that. Uh, well, let's, let's get right to it. How's your bracket looking right now? Mediocre. Uh, the good news is I am a big Gonzaga believer, as we have discussed in the past. I have no reason to be shaken from that. I really believe this is a different Zags team than uh, Mark Few has had over these last 20-plus years, where he makes the tournament every year, but sometimes face plants in the earlier rounds. Lately, he's gotten... <laughs> much longer runs in, including four years ago when they lost that national title game to Carolina of the ACC. I just think it's legit. Uh, but other than that, I can't say the rest of my bracket is all that pretty. I thought Illinois was going to go to the Final Four and the Illini are already out. But I will say this, guys. We discussed the 15 teams in the ACC, of course, far more than we discussed the 300 or so others. I've gotten the ACC picks pretty right. So, you know, I believed in Syracuse more than most, and they're in the Sweet 16. I believe in Florida State. The Seminoles, as we're discussing this, are still alive. Um, and I didn't have much confidence in most others. So I got my ACC stuff right, and I got a whole lot of other things wrong. And naturally, you have uh, Abilene Christian and North Texas mo moving on. <laughs> you, you have all of those picks as well, right? Well, as someone who chose, I think I described it to y'all as a sentimental pick because I consider Texas coach Shaka Smart, a friend of mine, dating mm -hmm. days as a Clemson assistant. It was not, you, you know I can't claim Abilene Christian because I had <laughs> Texas going all the way to the Final Four. So no way. I'm trying to think of what my best Cinderella correct pick was. Um Y'all know, I remember I had Texas Tech as a slightly lower seed going a long way. They're out. Uh, I did have Wisconsin beating Carolina. I guess that's a good one. Yeah, I had that one. I've liked Creighton. 
I mean, they're a five, so that's not exactly Cinderella. I, I guess Syracuse is my best pick. Uh, but I, no, I certainly did not have those others. I, I loved Loyola Chicago. I just didn't think they'd beat Illinois. That you know, it's one thing to love a team; it's another thing to see them, you know, having a road. I love Loyola. I just I thought Illinois was going to be a freight train, and clearly, that didn't happen. So, credit to Loyola Chicago, Sister Jean, and otherwise again, Tom? good for them. Now, Dave, uh, and we do this via Zoom so we can see each other, and, and, and people that are listening can't. But when you look at Dan, does it look like he's in Hinkle Fieldhouse with the sunshine coming in? <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> and I've told him in the past, for those, you know, that can't see it, he has a, a, an awesome backdrop. You know, I have a backdrop of just, you know, my living room wall with a nice piece of art behind me. Look at me. A beautiful ballpark. And, yes, some interesting little sunlight yeah. uh, shades across the face. Yeah, hey, a, we, we call that dramatic natural lighting, uh, yeah. for, for better or worse. And a little story about that backdrop. Yeah. I, I actually took that picture uh, on, I think, July 26th from a riverboat cruise on the Ohio River in Cincinnati. So that's the background of the Cincinnati skyline and Great American Ballpark. And the significance of that date, David, that was the opening day for the shortened Major League Baseball season, uh, of which had they opened on the normal opening day, uh, I would have been in the ballpark uh, back in uh, what would have been late March or early April. This time, as we know, nobody was in the ballpark. So it was right. very it was very surreal. Joey Votto homeward on opening day, and we're, we're floating down the Ohio River, and there are fireworks going off, as always happens, out of the smokestacks. Nobody in the ballpark. So that that's the, the story behind that, but it is a pretty picture. So this just in, Dave. Buddy uh, Beheim's pretty good at three <laughs> points first half, 22 second half. That's one thing. And the other thing is, in in your uh, long decorated career, have you ever had is as a coach, uh, son ever played for for him in the ACC and had any kind of success like Buddy Beheim has? Wow, that's a great question, Tom. I can't think of another good example like that. Um, I do remember. One of the great players and showmen in basketball history from way back was a guy named Pistol Pete Maravich. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, now that is not <laughs> technically an ACC <laughs> example, right? Mm -hmm. Press Maravich, his dad, was an ACC coach, but when he coached his son, Pistol Pete, that was at LSU. Mm -hmm. So that's one that comes to mind because that was a true spectacle, right? And, and, and if I can interject, uh, Pete Maravich played, I think, his eighth and ninth grade seasons as a high schooler at Daniel High School, which is just up the road here because Press Maravich was the head coach at Clemson. Yes. At the time, from where from where I'm sitting, where both of my daughters graduated high school, that's where Pete Maravich started his high school basketball career. What's really interesting is that Pistol Pete has that connection to your backyard. Of course, the, the Maravich family was also here in Raleigh, where I am, because of the NC State chapter of Press Maravich's career as an assistant. And then uh, they, they jumped to LSU as the father-son combo. Uh, but, Tom, you, you are circling, I think, one of the great stories of this tournament so far. You guys – it's funny. I have a, a similar broadcasting friend up in Virginia that he and I have been discussing Syracuse as this flower waiting to blossom for five months. 
And for four months, we looked like the guys who had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> and finally, in recent weeks, it was before the tournament started, but we just knew Buddy Beheim was a great shooter and he hadn't been shooting well. I mean, for months, not just days or games. We knew Joe Girard was a better point guard because we saw it last year, and he's been better. Quincy Garrier, one of the more improved players in the league. Merrick Dolezal, one of the better glue guys in the league. Alan Griffin, one of the best transfers in the league. And Jim Beheim only uses six or seven guys. I just named five. So if all five or six key guys are playing to their potential at Syracuse, I think they're really good. I picked them in my preseason top four in the ACC on the basis of what I thought they would be. It just took a long, long time to come to fruition. But this is what I thought they would be. So, again, my bracket is filled with a bloody mess. But I really did see this part coming, and I think they're good enough to keep going. I think the top six guys have a lot of confidence in themselves and each other right now. And now that Illinois is out of the Midwest, there's nobody to be afraid of in that quadrant. And Jim Beheim, trying to remember the year, remember the year he barely got in but took him to the Final Four anyway. Yeah. Wasn't that a fun ride? I mean, as an 11 seed, I guess you could say he barely got in again this time. And there is no reason that they cannot keep this run going. Yeah, I think I saw this is the 20th time that he's taken them to the Sweet 16. Uh, so it's, it's been that kind of, uh, that kind of run for him. Let me, let me ask you this though. There, there's a lot made, especially when we get to the NCAA tournament, if they're in there and have success about how difficult that two, three zone is because people just don't see it. So I'm wondering if part of the issue they have in the regular season is they're playing teams that see that two, three zone on a consistent basis and maybe are better prepared for it than teams who don't see it once they get into an NCAA tournament setting. Yes, no doubt about it. And most coaches will tell you preparing for Bayheim's zone with two days to prepare is a nightmare. And, of course, ACC teams have as much time to prepare as they want. They could work on it on the pre, in the preseason if they wanted to. And, of course, they'll revisit it when Syracuse pops up on the schedule once or twice. That's a big deal. Because in some cases, we say that a certain thing is rare. You know, Carolina's mega fast break is rare. Duke's overplaying in your passing lane defense, not this year, but many years, is rare. But rare is different than unique. Unique means truly one of a kind. And I don't know another team that plays the Bayheim zone that way. So absolutely, Dan, ACC teams are better prepared for it. We've all heard a thousand times. You need a smart ball handler and decision maker at the free throw line in the middle of that zone. And it's best to have more than one of those guys. Because if you don't have somebody who can distribute and think or sometimes just hit that 15-footer, you're in, you're in for a long day against Syracuse. And, of course, ACC coaches have had time to prepare for that, to pick their guys that they believe are right for the middle of that zone. And then, you know, remember Barama Sidibe was supposed to be the Syracuse rim protector all season long. He, he missed almost the entire season. So Jim Beheim prefers to have that seven-footer or close to it at the back of that Beheim zone, and he didn't have that this year. 
So he's had to do a lot of experimentation, you know, using Dolajai, who's not really a center in any sense of the word, as sometimes that back of the zone de facto center, asking Garrier to do more along those lines. There's been, you're circling one of the factors and the other one was, yeah, they just didn't have the personnel they thought would execute that zone. And then it all fits together, right? They, they're so much more confident offensively right now that I think it somehow inspires them to play better defense too because they know they're in every game and they know every possession matters and they know they're capable of beating anybody. And uh, remember, it took a good effort by UVA to knock them out of the ACC tournament. So they've been playing really good basketball, by far their best basketball for several weeks now. And uh, yes, the unfamiliarity is one thing that helps them at this time of year that doesn't help them as much in the regular season conference play. Yeah, I was having nightmares uh, watching them play because they hit all those threes. I thought it was the reincarnation of Jerry McNamara yeah. when they played Kansas a couple of years ago. He is their shooting play. coach. He is. He is. Well, I know. I saw, was it? In fact, there was a McNamara section or something I saw watching that game. Let me ask you about North Carolina. Very seldom do they ever get beat in the first round, but very seldom do they ever get beat like they did against Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, Roy Williams had never lost in the round of 64. It was the mm -hmm. best stretch in the history of the, AC, of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I picked Wisconsin because Wisconsin is old by college standards and patient, and Carolina is young and impatient. And what happened to the Tar Heels was their dreaded combination. This is an incredibly hard combination to overcome in college basketball. You can get away with either shaky ball handling or a lack of three-point shooters. It is almost impossible, regardless of who your coach is, to overcome both of those problems. And the reality was there was only one Tar Heel, Kerwin Walton, who could consistently hit three-pointers. And, of course, defenses realized that eventually and started guarding him in a different way. And then the Tar Heels, for the second year in a row, never figured out the point guard position. It's not that Cole Anthony wasn't talented last year. I mean, he's in the NBA as we speak, right? It's not that Caleb Love's not a prep All-American. He had not played point guard full-time while a high school star. And he, if not led the ACC in turnovers, he was among the leaders in turnovers. I knew Wisconsin was going to exploit both of those things. Uh, and the Tar Heels were just a mess offensively frequently this year. I would not have guessed that Wisconsin also torched UNC's defense the way the Badgers did. That's the combination that led to the true blowout. Carolina actually was a pretty good defensive team this year for the most part. So they picked a really bad time to have their worst defensive game of the year. And then that offense, th those offensive issues were very predictable. Uh, the Tar Heels offensively were who we thought they were all season long and they just never figured that out. And that's two years in a row that a coach famous for his offensive prowess, Roy Williams, just didn't find the right buttons offensively. And so much of it goes back to point guard and three-point shooters. Coaches can't manufacture three-point shooters. And they didn't have enough of them the last couple of years at a school that has had loads of them in history. And when you don't have the right point guard in a point guard-driven system, which is what Carolina has, bad things happen. You don't need a superstar point guard. You just need somebody who knows Roy Williams' way 
right? Jimmy Black was a no-name senior point guard in 1982. Mm -hmm. But he knew Roy Williams' way, and he was a senior. And, oh, by the way, <laughs> Sam Perkins, James Worthy, and, and Michael Jordan. Well, yeah. <laughs> three of his uh, fellow starting lineup members. That helps too under Dean Smith. But you get the idea. Carolina puts a lot on its point guard's plate. It's not like Jim Beheim can ask four different guys to bring the ball up. Seriously, you watch his team's games. It's not always um, Buddy Beheim. It's not always Joe Girard. It's not always a guard. Sometimes it's 6'10 Dolzai bringing the ball up. At Carolina, it is almost always the point guard by design. And when you get a young guy who's a little bit confused, Cole Anthony last year, Caleb Love this year, it's not just a matter of talent. It's a matter of all of it. And th that breakdown at that position really torched Carolina's season last year and damaged it this year. ACC experts uh, from theathletic.com, Dave Glenn, with us as always uh, in this section of our get-together to talk conference and college athletics uh, on a much larger scale. So, so Dave, we, we have this tournament to finish, uh, but I always like to kind of try to get ahead of the game if possible. Are you hearing any rumblings at all that there will be coaching changes upcoming uh, in the Atlantic Coast Conference once this tournament is done? You always wonder, but the ones that I was wondering about, some thought that Mike Bray might choose to retire at Notre Dame. He has come out publicly and said that is not a factor whatsoever. Uh, we, of course, knew there was a change at Boston College because they fired Jim Christian at midseason. Right. They have hired Earl Grant uh, from Charleston. To me, that, that's a questionable hire. I'm not sure – what Earl Grant has little knowledge of the ACC from his time at Clemson, uh, but not an overwhelming resume as a head coach. And in the ACC, you expect, you know, Chris Mack was great at Xavier before he was hired at, at uh, Louisville. Roy Williams was great at Kansas before he was hired at Carolina. Earl Grant was good. Jim Christian was good. Uh, you know, and BC is a difficult job. Elsewhere, some are wondering, Dan, whether one of the many septuagenarians in this league, uh, 70 or older, Jim Laranega at Miami had another rough year. Is he poised to retire? I haven't seen any public statements, but that is another thing that people wonder about. And remember, there were only two coaches truly on the hot seat when the season started. One was Jim Christian at BC. He's gone. The other was Josh Pastner, who clearly saved his job by winning the school's first ACC title in, what, about 30 years. So, uh, you know, obviously it was sad that Moses Wright was unavailable for the NCAA tournament, but uh, Josh Pastner saved his job. Jim Christian lost his job. And I don't really see anybody else on the hot seat. We just are in a conference where think of the guys' ages mm -hmm. in some cases. I mean, Jim Beheim is 76 years old, the oldest Division I men's basketball coach in history. Mike Krzyzewski is 74 years old. Leonard Hamilton is in his 70s but just signed a five-year contract extension. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean he'll finish that extension, but of course you ask those questions about the septuagenarians out there. But the best I can tell, none of them is giving signs that he's about to step out the retirement door. Let me ask you another question, and, and this is a bigger picture uh, outside of the confines of the ACC uh, before before Tom continues. Um, Bob Huggins 
uh, at West Virginia. Uh, they just got beat by Syracuse, but he just crossed the 900 win plateau. Why is he not in the College Basketball Hall of Fame? It's a great question. Uh, I'm sure he will be at some point. I do think there's a, a long-lasting residue among many old-school media members that if you don't like a person, it can impact your vote for or against that person. And if you like somebody, you know, that impacts your vote. I've got that lawyer's logical brain, so I'm still capable of criticizing somebody that I like a lot. I'm still capable of praising someone that I don't like as much. I feel like I can cast. I never, ever, ever for a split second think about how much I like a player or coach when I'm casting player of the year, coach of the year. My my brain is just not wired that way. But I I do think, you know, there's some famous examples in various sports uh, about why somebody took too long to get in or why they're still in. You, You know, in baseball right now, Kurt Schilling is somebody who has alienated a lot of people for reasons that have nothing to do with baseball. And people are wondering, are enough voters holding his politics or however you'd like to describe it against him rather than simply focusing on his brilliance as a baseball pitcher? I wonder if there's a little bit of that with Huggy Bear, as his uh, friends call him. I don't know voters who have said that out loud. Uh, but I think it's only a matter of time. And, and I think he's actually a more lovable guy now than he was earlier in his career. He's kind of mellowing out as an older guy, and he's he's become easier to root for in the eyes of many. Tom? One, hey, one other note about uh, the the ACC and, and one of the tournament games. Florida State beat UNC Greensboro 64-54. We talk about the NCAA tournament teams that shoot the three all the times, the NATO's philosophy at Alabama, Colorado at 16, Villanova hit 15. How about Florida State going 0 of 9 from three-point range and a UNCG team that started 0 of 9 to begin with? But uh, very rarely do you ever see that particular situation occur when a team doesn't hit a three. Yeah, and that's because Florida State can beat you in so many ways, right? They're long, they're athletic, they block shots, they run the floor. They interrupt your usual passing lanes with that length on defense. They love slashing to the basket. Sometimes they have pure shooters at Florida State. You know, Wyatt Wilkes is a a very good three-point shooter, for example. But for the most part, you know, they love attacking the rim. They love getting into the lane. So I think Leonard Hamilton has built, you know, especially in recent years, just a mini juggernaut, right? Virginia and Florida State have joined – the Blue Bloods, who have been down at times, Duke and Carolina, with their level of consistent success. And it took Leonard Hamilton quite a while to build this monster, right? I mean, he didn't even make the NCAA tournament in his first six years in Tallahassee. Most people are fired if that happens, right? They <laughs> yep. kept him, uh, and he's a good recruiter, and I think he's become an even better tactician. Uh, they're winning without a de facto point guard right now. So you just gave a great example, Tom, of winning in an unconventional way without three-pointers. There's another unconventional way. I mean, Scotty Barnes is six foot nine, and I mm-hmm. guess they're de facto point guard. He does lead them in assists. Uh, he's not really a point guard. So there, Leonard Hamilton has a, a fascinating resume because um, other than the length and the athleticism, I mean, he collects seven-footers like nobody in college basketball. Uh, th- that's the one theme that almost never goes away. 
he has shown the ability to win in a lot of different ways with a lot of different styles. And sometimes that is breaking convention. Dave, what do you have uh, coming up and how can people find out what it is? On Twitter at David Glenn show is the best way to follow what's going on. I have some big decisions to make about what my sports media world is going to look like in 2021 slash 22. So I'll be making those decisions in the coming months, but I always encourage folks in the meantime to check out accsports.com, my baby, and also the athletic and the athletic Carolina, where I've been proud to contribute for these last four years now, fantastic sports journalism there for those who are into such things, including plenty of coverage of the ACC and everything going on really in the Carolinas, plural, yours and mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why they named it the Athletic Carolina. And again, for a limited time, you can subscribe for a dollar. I saw that. Yes, so, indeed. Which, the which Dan is, Scott plan. Which, which is what got me hooked, baby. I'm on that dollar plan Dan, for another Dan few months. Dan Scott plan. I don't, bl- I don't blame you. That's, what I, that's the way to do it, right? That's it's a right. good plan. There you go. It's like having coupons at the grocery store. You'd be amazed how much you can save. <laughs> I love it. Dave, thank you so much, as always. Thank you, guys. Always fun to start my week with you all. Have a good one. All right, back See to ya. close it out right after this. I want to take just a moment here to tell you about my friend chiropractor Brian Dooley in Pickens Family Chiropractic in downtown Pickens, South Carolina. He's been my chiropractor. I had some issues a number of years ago and went to him. He has the most modern technology, computerized posture and spinal scans. He took care of my issues. He will take care of yours as well. He's been serving the entire family with chiropractic services since 2007. To lead your best life, you need a healthy spine. Hit a home run for your health with chiropractic care from Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. You can find more at the website, pickensfamilychiropractic.com, or call 864-898-3300. That's 864-898-3300. You can also schedule appointments online via the Facebook page, Pickens Family Chiropractic, LLC. Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. Tell them Dan Scott sent you. All right, we are back to say goodbye. Hope you guys have as much fun listening to this as we do putting it together, especially when we have Dave Glenn in the mix because uh, just great stuff, uh, entertaining, and and obviously incredibly knowledgeable. Thanks to him. Thanks to Tom for joining us, as always. Uh, Thanks to Todaro Pizza for being the presenting sponsor of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. This has been Episode 31 again todaropizza.com, T-O-D-A-R-O pizza.com for the full menu, the operating hours, everything that John and the folks have there uh, at the Markley Street location, uh, indoor dining, outdoor as the weather is becoming uh, warmer now that we are officially in spring. And again, the Clemson location right now still just uh, pickup and delivery there on Sloan Street. But uh, Chris has been in that location for years and uh, the pizza is fantastic. Also, thanks to the Hall of Fame Sports Grill, to Hank's Beverage, Pickens Family Chiropractic, Ed Patterson, your State Farm agent, Atlanta Bragg Company, and our newest sponsor, our friend Booty Cothran, the American Ninja Warrior, and Motive Gym, motivemovement.org is that website. We will be back with you next week with another edition of Grumpy Old Broadcaster, still looking to get the band back together with Kyle Oxford and Dory Kid Smith joining Tom and I. And also... 
Some things coming up. I mentioned, I think, last time in uh, the month of April, we've got an interview with former Major League outfielder Dave Parker that is scheduled. And uh, perhaps a seismic shift in the direction of this podcast is in the offing as well. We'll consider that and, and maybe talk about that in the coming weeks. But as of right now, everything is moving along semi-smoothly, and we're just grateful to have you on board with us. But again, share it, like it, interact with us, let us know. Wherever podcasts are available, that's where you find us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next time. Until then, go out make a positive difference in somebody else's life. I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you and so long, everybody.